Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Hello, I am croaky voice Lee Campbell. You're not that croaky. Oh, I just am worried I how... think it sounds different in your head because your head's oh, blocked up. Yeah, good old daycare germs. Who are you? I am Tegan Natoli. And this is This Glorious Mess, the mother's group in your ears where judgment is left at the door. Tegan, yesterday was Mother's Day. Yay! Happy Mother's Day to Happy. my favourite other mother that's not my mother. Happy Mother's Day to you too. So were you given a 10-day trip to Hawaii? I was, yes. Oh, no. can I come? I wasn't. Is it weird that I hate the term, which pretty much every company in the whole world uses around Mother's Day is spoil mum. Yeah. Is it weird that I hate it? Because I'm like, it's not spoiling. It's just what she deserves. Yes. I don't like the word spoil in general because like. It means rotten. Yeah. And I'm like, our lives are rotten because we're mothers. (laughs) Give us. Also, I don't like it in a parenting term. Like if you give them too much sugar, it'll spoil them. Or if you give them, you know, whatever. Spoil is rotten. Anyway, I hope you all got what you deserved and were not spoiled. You were rightfully entitled to be Spoiled after. <laughs> and when I become the Prime Minister of Australia, I'm going to schedule a Mother's Day once a month. Yeah, me too. I'll come. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> Tegan, would you consider yourself a silky or crunchy mum? Well, are we talking about peanut butter? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're talking about how we use our toilet paper. Because that could be, yeah, controversial. Only joking. Today we're going to be talking about a parenting style that's been around for a while but has recently been blowing up on TikTok and whether it's actually helpful to have these kinds of labels. Yes, and of course we will also be sharing our nails and fails Ooh, of I've got a deep the one. week. Ooh, get deep. And at the end of the episode today, we'll be having a reading of the story Dingo and Moon by the author Dr. Helen Miller. Milroy from her book Wombat, Mudlark and Other Stories. We'll pop a link in the show notes of where to find that. So the first article we saw on this topic was actually from 2016, but it's recently cropped up again on TikTok and it's caught our attention. There is a theory. There is three types of mums. There's a silky mum, a crunchy mum and a scrunchy mum. So typically before you jump in and and get angry. Typically, a silky mum gravitates towards things that make life as easily as possible. So she's iPads, she's fast food, disposable nappies, plastic toys that are, you know, from Kmart or whatever, that sort of thing. Then there's a crunchy mum. And on the other hand, she has more of a hippie vibe. So think more sugar-free, gluten-free, homemade snacks, cloth nappies, wooden toys, and maybe opted for a drug-free birth. Then the third type is somewhere in the middle. So she's called a scrunchy mum. She's in the middle and I think she might be the majority of us. So there was an article on The Cut that explains the differences and discusses it and also one on motherly. So, Tegan, I want to talk about this. Firstly, why do you think they're called silky, crunchy and scrunchy? Well, good question. (laughs) But I'm thinking, I'm assuming, and with the help of our producer Claire, silky represents like 
the easier. The, yeah, like slippery, yeah, go just, with the flow. Just, yeah, that's it. It's like you got to make life easier for yourself. Mm. Crunchy, I don't I really know. I well, suppose. like it's crunchy. We shouldn't say it makes their lives harder, but it's a more effort to, you yes, know, bake, more effort. bake the, you that's know, a good do idea. the cloth nappies, bake the gluten-free, dairy-free, sure. blah, blah, blah. And then obviously scrunchy is a combination of silky and crunchy. So yep. had you heard these terms before? Never in my life, no. Mm. But I am 100% <laughs> identifying with one in particular. Can you all guess? We'll get there in a minute. I bet you can. We'll get, I'd read this years ago, but it was before I became a parent, so I was like, what? And it's funny because preparing for this episode, I was thinking about who's in my real life and who I follow on social media. And I think it's definitely easier to define silky mums and crunchy mums through the accounts you follow on social media. Yes, yeah. And some mothers I follow do the exact opposite to me, but that's why I follow them. Totally. And I think it's right to identify. It's almost like talking about love languages, right? So it it doesn't mean that just because someone identifies with a different love language that they're wrong and you're right. Yes. And same thing with parenting, I think. Like I think we can learn things from women or parents that identify with a certain type of parenting. Yeah. Like you and I, Lee, are so different. I think that you and I generally are both scrunchy mums. You're a little bit more silky mum. No, I am 150,000% a silky mum. But I also think it's circumstantial. Absolutely. So I feel like because of my circumstance of having three kids in a year, 100% I'm doing whatever works for me and whatever makes life easier because I get we would all not get through a day. I thought I'd be more crunchy. So, you know, no sugar, all that stuff. Of course I bought all the wooden toys and I wanted everything to be chic and no plastic. you're definitely in between. And as a baby, I mean, I guess it doesn't explain here the anxiety. Like I'm an anxious mum. Yeah. But you could be a bit of all of them. Like you might be anxious about meltdown so you hand over the iPad and that makes you a silky. You might be anxious about sugar intake so that makes you a crunchy. I'm anxious around sickness and stuff like that. But that doesn't really explain, like it doesn't fall into any of these categories. I'm definitely a scrunchy mum. I was probably more of a crunchy baby mum. But now as my son is a person, I'm a bit more silky because I'm like whatever gets us through I label it free range like Rich I wouldn't say is a free range parent he's quite strict yeah it's funny and disciplinary you, it's funny you said that because I was going to say it's kind of like those parenting categories you know you've got free range you've got helicopter mom you've got tiger yes. parent so you know I just don't like that people think that it's a bad thing to categorize because I actually don't mind categorization however mm. Is it problematic that we have to pick a side? I agree because as soon as I read this, I was like, well, silky mums are lazy and they're quote unquote yes. bad and crunchy mums are good and go to more effort. Well, like I am in awe of a crunchy mum because mm-hmm. I'm like what I would give to have the effort and capacity to make homemade treats and to engage more with my children, but I'm 100% a silky mum by no other means than survival mode. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but like, also it's socioeconomic. Like being a silky mum can be expensive. Not a lot of people can afford to cook gluten-free, sugar-free, all of that stuff from scratch. Crunchy mum. Oh, crunchy. Sorry, yes. Cloth nappies are more affordable, I guess, but it's also what you have access to, the help that you have around you. Like sometimes an iPad is the only sitter I have if I've got to do a quick email. You're preaching to the choir. I think about 99% of mums are scrunchies, somewhere in between, but I just don't think it's a healthy label. I mean, it's interesting to dissect and to think, okay, I automatically thought of two crunchy mums in my life. And I love them, but I do feel like I'm not as a good mother as them because they do do all of the things. 
Is but there... isn't it funny that they might look at you and go, oh, I wish I was a bit more carefree or I wish mm. I didn't feel bad giving my kid the iPad or I wish that. But I think that's what motherhood is, is comparison. And also other mothers are the most judgmental of other mothers because it's reflection of you. You think, well, if they do it differently, then it's wrong. And I don't do it that way. And the hard thing is you only know what you know, right? So it's like what you were saying before about Instagram. It's like watching these people and you're like, oh, yeah. Like, is that a, can you do that? Is that a thing? Like, oh, this woman wakes up every day and makes these beautiful muffins for her kids to take to school or yes. whatever. But, but does that inspire you or make you feel bad? A bit of both. Mm. So there's part of me that's like, oh my gosh, if she can do that, I can do that too. But I only know the cards I've been dealt. Yes. You know, it's inspirational in a way. But then of course, then there's mum guilt, yeah. which is a whole other ballpark. My main question is, where is the article on crunchy dads and silky dads yeah. and scrunchy dads. I would it's love to hear. always the mums we put in a box. It would be interesting because I reckon the stereotypes for dads would be different. It's like, does he put his plates in the dishwasher? Oh, he's the best. And also, <laughs> does like, he make did, the bed? Does he put his towel like, up? If a parent takes their kid to the park, they're probably a silky mum because that's lazy instead of playing. But if a dad takes a kid to the park, he is the best dad yes. in the whole wide world. So, I don't know. I think these definitions are a bit weird. It's funny to look at them and think, oh, yeah, I'm that and -and so-and-so is that. But I just think until we place it around all parenting. I think it's how you look at it. As long as we can all go into it and have a laugh, it's not a cutthroat competition. It's more like, you know what, you're there, I'm here. No, I take offence to everything that (laughs) puts mums in boxes. No, I think boxes are good. I don't like boxes. You can break the box. Yeah, I guess so. We want to know, are you a silky mum? Are you a crunchy mum? Are you a scrunchy mum? Do you like that there are certain types of mums? Do you think, no, we should all be on the same playing field? Let's just all be mums doing our best. Well, you know. Nailed it. You failed it. Do you want me to go first or you? Well, I'll go first because yours is deep. Okay. And I'm in a crying mood. You just get us in. You are. (laughs) Auntie Flo's coming. I've spent the whole (laughs) drive here crying to sad songs as I do. How good is it? It's what tells me. I said to my husband this morning, I'm like, I know I'm getting my period because I'll cry at the Nescafe ad on TV. But when I play sad music and I want to cry and, like, the sad bit hasn't, like, hurt me enough, I play it again. put it on again. I know. It's like we punish ourselves. It's the best. Anyway, I'll go first. So we all remember a few weeks back I told you that I took all my kids to the dentist Mm -hmm. for the first time, the first time being the twins were five and Banjo four, and I did a PSA to you all, take your kids to the dentist prior to that age Mm -hmm. because Banjo had to have surgery. He had to go under full-blown 90-minute surgery. Like a full operation, the first operation he's ever had. So, look, my fail is that it came to that. And I so what did they do? Remove a tooth? No, put a tooth no. In? Like they could have done it in the chair, but because he's so young, and it would have taken several appointments. Yeah. They like there were two teeth at the back, like the molars. They blah blah blah. Anyway, they had to cap them. So, long story short, they put him under because they could just get it all done in one go. The fail is that it got to that. I remember on my Instagram the day I was there, everyone's like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "Guys, take your kids." I think about half of my Instagram parenting community booked in their kids for well, the that's, dentist. That's a silver that day. Yes. So there is a slight nail in my fail. And yeah. now you'll keep up the appointment. Yes, I've already got and how did he in. go? Was he fine? He was so good. Like I was most scared about the fasting because yeah, obviously hard. he didn't go in until about 10.30 in the morning. But he was so good. I've just talked about it a lot in the lead up. Mm. Like, you know, you're not allowed to eat any food, so you're going to feel really hungry, but I promise afterwards we can eat whatever you want. Mm. And, of course, the first thing you want was chocolate. I'm like, oh, no, your new teeth. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, he was really good. Obviously, the doctor said, you know, coming out of the anaesthetic, he might, you know, 
go a bit crazy, but he was chilled. The first thing he said was like, can I have my Nintendo? And I was like, oh, great, back to his old self. Oh, you're such a awesome. silky mum. So, yes, take your kids to the dentist. Okay. That well, is my PSA. That's good. All right, well, my fail's a bit deep, sorry. Okay, go for it. Many years ago when I was... 20 weeks pregnant, I think, Mia interviewed me for No Filter and that's when we revealed my pregnancy, blah, blah, blah. And we spoke a bit on that episode, which we'll link to in the show notes if you want to listen, but it was about my journey to parenthood and if I ever wanted kids and all that jazz. And the number one reason that I was hesitant to have children, particularly until I met Rich, but even Rich and I coming to the decision was that I've always been a massive worrier. From the age of three or four, I used to just say to my parents, I'm so worried. I'm so worried. And they were like, what? Like, Are either of your parents a worrier? My dad. My okay. brother's got it. My dad's had it and I've got it. And it's mental health can be hereditary. So I spoke about that a lot. And I just said to Rich, like, I just don't want to give a little person my brain because it's just so hard to be in here sometimes. And I saw a child psychologist from the age of six. Yeah. They called them the worry doctor. I used to have to rate oh. how I felt at the worry doctor. And I would worry so much about going to the worry doctor if I chose the right number between one and 10. Oh my God. So you even worry about the worry doctor. Yes. Oh, and wow. from there, you know, medicated through my teens and that would be still medicated. so much for a little brain. It is right. So we overcame that. We had Alexander and just recently my little darling person saying, mommy, I feel so worried. And I say, what do you feel worried about? What does it feel like? He says, like, it just feels in my tummy. And I'm like, what are you worried about? And he feels like he has to say something. So one day he'll say Remy, which is his cousin or Gigi's friend in Melbourne. And I'm like, what are you worried about them? Or is it just a feeling? And he says, it's just a feeling. So it's like he's trying to find out. Yeah. There must be a reason why I feel this way. So I'll just like apply it to something that I know. Yes. And Rich, who has perfect mental health is like, there's nothing to worry about it. And I was like, no, trust me, I was him. And this was my biggest fear that I was going to pass this on to a child. The worst thing you can do is just disregard it and not, you know. Validate it. Validate it. Exactly. So Rich has been traveling so much and I've just been kicking myself, but it's not that I would never not have him, but it's, you know, finding the next steps to get him help. When he says, I'm just so worried, mummy. to know he's feeling But I'm three and four again and I remember saying that to my parents and I just, you know, you can't even really understand what worry is or articulate it, but it's just a feeling. Feeling, yeah. Or he'll say, like, my heart hurts. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my buddy. So I've got to try and find him a little child psychologist. And I think, thankfully, I'm a good mum in that it's been on my radar, like, I'm going to nip it in the bud early. Yeah. I know I've put it as my fail, but it's just like, I almost manifested it. Like I was my it, biggest yes, worry and it your came biggest true. Fear. But yeah. there you go. And then that brings you back to your worrying self. It was I'm your worry. I'm so worried about my little yeah, worrier. But he's on the flip side, very compassionate and very lovely. So he's absolutely I'll gorgeous. keep everyone posted if anyone has similar feels with their little ones or if yeah. they've found anything that helps. We've got a few books about. And that's the other thing about worrying and anxiety. Like most of the time to an outsider, it is irrational. So it for is. someone like Rich is like, oh, but there's nothing to worry about. Yes. Oh, there's nothing to be stressed about no. or nothing to be anxious. About, but it's like it doesn't take away the feeling. It makes it worse yeah. because then you feel like, oh, well, I'm oh, broken. Well, yeah, now why do I feel this way? Now I'm worried about that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right, my deepness is out of the way. What's your nail? Okay, my nail, school holidays. I know we're a bit past that now and the kids are back at school, but it was my first school holiday. And it's your nail? Yes. Are you what? proud? I actually liked them. Oh. Look, I palmed them off a bit. <laughs> Let's be honest. But I kept them busy. Mm. I, you know, 
felt like I really was present in the moments that I was present. Yeah. And then you probably dreaded the thought of it more than the reality. And so you were pleasantly surprised. And it was funny when I was at the school just after the kids went back, I was having a good conversation with, you know, a few of the mums. One of them has four girls. And she said, oh, God, I love school holidays because, like, the runaround mm. during the school term, especially when you've got four kids, I'm assuming. Oh, God, yeah. They're at different schools. So she's like, my days are mm. so mental yeah. on, on a school And just waking day. up and not having to be somewhere at 8 a.m. Oh, my God. And then not to mention all the after-school activities and stuff like that. So, yeah, I really enjoyed school holidays. I took the twins to a dawn service on Anzac Day, which was really special. My Were my, they quiet? Oh, my God, that was so good. Like, I think they got a little bored. It probably was one of the longest Anzac ceremonies I've ever been to. But my dad was in the army. My grandfather was in the Defence Force. So it's a very meaningful thing, especially, and it's a tradition my dad and I have done for forever. So now my kids are five and I'm like, I said to Jason, I'm going to take the girls. And he's like, oh, no, don't wake them up. Like, Mm. Take them next year. And I was getting ready. I was about to go and Samara opens her eyes. She's like, where are you going? And I'm like, (laughs) oh, my God, okay, quick, put your clothes on. Let's get out. And they came and, look, I spent the whole drive there trying to explain to them. Yeah, it's a hard thing to You know, and, yeah, without it being a little bit scary. scary. Yeah. Yeah, so I did my best. And you know what? They really took it in their stride. My dad was absolutely chuffed that, you know, that like girls were there. And so, you know, I wear my dad's medals and then dad gave them a little poppy flower to wear. So it was really, really special and hopefully the beginning of a little tradition. You're feeling very crunchy parent at the moment. Like just crunching away. You know, when Arnie Flo comes, I might turn into a very, very (laughs) silky, silky, smooth parent. Well, my nail is very flippant, but look, I had to find something. We've gone through a year and we're still in it of beige food. <laughs> hash browns, chips, Anzac <laughs> cookies, which he loves. He's always getting at your house. Wheat Bix. Yeah, he does. He loves those Anzac cookies. It. But at the moment, his two favourite snacks, which I think are massive wins, are macadamia nuts. Yes, I saw him munching on a box of those the other loves day. Loves them and they're so filling, good fats. And he also tells everyone, you can choke on these. You have to <laughs> chew. First. I said, oh, do you like macadamia He goes, you can choke on them. Yeah, you got to <laughs> chew them really a lot. And I'm like, good. And I don't give them in the back of the car in case he chokes, yada, yada. That's the crunchy but- parrot in you, chew your macadamia yes, nuts. I know, I'm so crunchy. And the other one is a little hack. You know those cotton candy flavoured grapes? So they've made like different flavours. Yes, they literally taste like fairy floss. Yes. Mm. So he thinks they're a lolly. So after dinner, he's like, if I eat my banana, then can I have some candy grapes? And I I'm wonder like, if you froze them, you could like play them off as like, ooh, ice cream balls. Yeah, probably, but they'd hurt your teeth. They're so I don't like cold things like no, <laughs> But <laughs> I'm talking about you. <laughs> but so his favourite snacks are macadamia nuts and cotton candy grapes and I'm just like, yes, because it's not the leftover Easter chocolate. Yay. And that's the that's biggest. That's a win, girlfriend. That's not a, don't you Look, dilute good your sugars, nail. good fats. You are basically a child I'm nutritionist. Crunchy, crunchy, crunchy. Thanks for <laughs> listening to this glorious mess. Get in touch with us. Our email address is tgm at mamamia.com.au or join our parenting group, Mamma Mia Family. We'd also love it if you left a rating or a review of this show. This episode was produced by Clara Halloran and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Hello everyone, my name is Helen Milroy and today I'm going to read you a story called Dingo and Moon from my book Wombat, Mudlark and Other Stories published by Fremantle Press. A long time ago when the earth was formed it was in complete darkness. All of the animals were in a deep sleep waiting for the dawning of the first day. 
When the Earth's sun was ready, he travelled a long way to take his place in the sky. As sun neared the Earth, morning appeared with a gentle light spreading across the landscape, waking all of the animals from their dream time. The animals saw their country for the first time, and it was magnificent. With great excitement, the animals explored the landscape and saw the forests, mountains and rivers. At the end of the day, Sun was tired and wanted to go to sleep. Sun warned the animals that his light would soon fade and would not return until the morning. All of the animals scurried back to their homes for fear of getting lost in the dark. As Sun set, the earth once again fell into complete darkness. On the second day, the animals asked Sun if he could keep some light in the sky during the night. But Sun said he needed his sleep, otherwise he would not be able to warm the day and help the earth to grow. The animals tried to make sure no one was ever left alone in the darkness. Meanwhile, far away in the outer heavens, all the moons were getting ready to take their place in the universe. The earth moon was very shy and nervous. When it was time for her to travel to Earth, she panicked and lost her way. Moon found herself in a distant, dark galaxy all alone. Moon was scared and started to cry. It was so cold that her tears turned into ice crystals. The ice quickly surrounded Moon, trapping her. The more she sobbed, the thicker the ice wall became. No one could hear Moon's cries. Now back on Earth, the animals loved their days roaming around country but still feared the darkness at night time. In the forest lived a large family of dingoes with lots of pups. One little dingo loved visiting and playing with all the animals and often travelled far from home chasing geckos. Everyone loved little dingo, even the geckos. Little dingo knew where everyone lived and was always helping gather the little ones and get them safely back to their homes before dark. One day, little Dingo was helping a baby wombat return to his den at sunset. Wombat was too heavy for little Dingo to carry, and wombat walked so slowly that it took ages to reach his family. This left little Dingo too far away from his home when the darkness came. As the light faded, little Dingo desperately tried to run home. Poor little Dingo, he just could not find his way in the dark and could not even see where to shelter for the long night ahead. Little Dingo ran around frantically, but he kept tripping over and bumping into things. He ended up falling into a deep crevice in the mountain. Little Dingo knew no one would be able to come looking for him now until the morning. He was so scared, he started to howl. He howled and howled and howled long into the night. His call echoed through the mountains and was amplified across the universe. His cry pierced the outer heavens and shattered the ice wall of tears holding Moon. Moon was finally free. Moon could hear little Dingo's howl and she knew in her heart she had to follow his voice. She no longer had to find her way across the universe on her own. She had little Dingo guiding her to her rightful place above the earth. The shattered ice crystal slowly fell across the darkness to form stars along the path left by Moon in her hurried escape. As Moon arrived at the Earth, a gentle glow surrounded Little Dingo. Little Dingo looked up in surprise to see a beautiful new moon smiling down at him, shrouded in a glittering night sky. You found me and rescued me, said Moon gratefully. And you found me and rescued me, said Little Dingo with great relief. Moon gently laid down some moon dust to help Little Dingo climb out of the crevice and gave him a moonbeam to help him light the path on his way home. 
All of the animals were overjoyed with little Dingo's return and praised him for bringing light into the darkness. In celebration, all the dingoes got together that night and sang a welcome song to Moon and her stars. Every evening, little Dingo would sing to Moon so she never felt scared or alone again. And every night, Moon would light Dingo's path so he could always find his way home in the darkness. But Dingo kept his moonbeam close by, just in case. <laughs>